Glory to God. Well, we've done prayer for the sick, prayer for the service, and uh, glory to God. I don't need to be in Revelations tonight. That's not where we're going. where you were going there. <laughs> That's not where we're going. Glory to God. Uh, so we, we've already prayed, but we'll just pray one more time. You can't ever pray enough, but the Bible tells us to pray at all times in all things. So we'll pray one more time for the ministering of the word. You want to pray? You want me to pray? Go ahead. Okay, I can go ahead and do it. Praise the Lord. We all just join in some prayer. Father, we just, Father, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for your healing power operating in our lives. We're so thankful for the blood of Jesus that causes us to conquer and overcome all things, including every sickness. And so, Father, as we approach your word tonight, we ask that you give every person that hears this message a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, that you open up the eyes of their understanding, that we may all come into the place of maturity in Christ and walk worthy of you in this life. And, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory, and we ask that you think through mine and Michael's minds. You speak through our lips as we declare the wonderful works of God and the oracles of God. And, Father, we thank you that, you're gonna, that you bring greater revelation in the service tonight. And all of God's people that agree, amen, amen and amen. So tonight, so this is prayer and healing school. We put the bigger emphasis on healing uh, because there's a lot that's not understood about healing. There's a lot that uh, people, you know, a lot of people need healing and don't know how to get healing. Um, there's a lot of people that, that say, well, God, if it's your will to heal them, then heal them. And, well, if you'd rather them to go through this sickness to learn something, um, then let them learn something. And I'm not picking on anybody praying. I think every person needs to pray. But the word, t- but there's, there's, Holy Ghost, don't get me in trouble right off the bat. Uh, there's, there's rules or laws that govern things in the spirit and govern, just like there's rules and laws that govern things in this natural world, there's rules and laws that govern things in the supernatural world. And one of the laws that God uh, one of the spiritual laws is that we cannot be double-minded. In fact, let's go look at this in the book of James. In the book of James. wasn't going here, but the Holy Ghost said go here, so we're going to go here. In the book of James, it says this. In verse seven, chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 7. Start in 6. Okay, we'll start in 6. <laughs> says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So here James tells us uh, that, that if we're... We backed up to six, but honestly, can we just back up to chapter verse one? Can we just back it up? Praise God. Just let's just back it up. Let's get the let's get the full understanding of what he's talking about here. All right. Let's just back it up. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren. Now, James, you have to understand, was a Jew. 
He was Jesus' brother. So he was sent to speak to the Jews. But notice he said to the 12 tribes. By the time that Jesus came, there were only two tribes that were still in covenant with God. But James addresses the 12 tribes, which means those in those that were still biblically under the law when Jesus came, that were still in covenant with God, and those that are outside of the covenant. So we can even take this and parallel, parallel it to, um, the, to the Gentiles. He's include, James is including everyone here uh, when he addresses, because he's a Jew, and he's sent to the Jews, so he's, he's, he's telling all of the Jews. If you have a bloodline to Christ, because he's talking to the Jews, he's saying if your bloodline goes back to Abraham, then I'm talking to you. Well, by faith, our bloodline goes back to Abraham. Amen. So that's who he's talking to. All right, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We could say it this way. Count it all joy when you fall in or when, when you come into sickness. Count it all joy. Now, this is where some people get off. Some people read that and some people say, well... I guess, we I, guess I'm just I guess I'm just supposed to be happy when I'm sick. Have you ever met somebody happy when they were sick? No. Happy and sick don't go hand in hand. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. In other words, when tests and trials, when sickness and disease attacks, stay in joy, not because of the sickness or the attack, but because God is on your side and you have an opportunity to exercise your faith in God. And we, as we learned this morning, he's going to bring you through it, through the, the, the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to bring you through it as long as you stick with him stick and keep following him. So when sickness attacks, we need to stay happy knowing that the sickness has to go. Knowing that we already have the victory over the sickness. See, we count it joy because we can have faith that God is with us and that he won't forsake us and that he will bring us through. Right. All right. So verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Notice at the end of verse 2, it's a semicolon, which means he's fixing to tell you why to take joy. And so we kind of got the cart before the horse here, but he, he said, when, when, when tests and trials, when sickness and disease comes, stay happy, stay joyful, because you have an opportunity to use your faith, and that faith, and you working your faith is going to grow patience in you, and that patience being grown in you is going to help to mature you in your walk with Christ, so that you get to the point where you're wanting Nothing. Amen. The first time that sickness, when first time you're a born again believer, and the first time that you believe for divine healing, um, it takes a little while to get that healing because you got to you got to build up to it and work to it and what have you. But as you keep going through this, and every time you get healed, then what what begins to happen is you begin to know by experience this sickness has no right to stay. Amen. So that, what is that doing? That's maturing your faith. Maturing your faith. This is why 
You should use your faith for cuts, bruises, bumped toes, headaches, minor toothaches, minor things. Uh, I remember uh, when we came back into Christ and I was like, the word says I'm healed, I'm healed, that's the way it is. And you speak the word and you do it and that's it. So, I mean, the slightest little thing, I was speaking to that thing. And I was believing for divine healing. Michael, on the other hand, because he, by his own admission, is hard-headed and likes to do things, you know, the hard way. Uh, he get a headache, and I, and I just look at him and say, well, have you prayed? And in the beginning, the early years, he'd say, no, I can handle this. I don't want to, God's a busy God. Well, yeah, he's a busy God, but he's a superior being, and he's, he's not put out because you're coming to him with a little headache. And I said, well, Michael, you've got to begin to learn. You've got to begin to trust him for the small things because should something big happen later on, you need to have the faith for it. And he's like, yeah, but it's small. I can handle it. Jesus did not go to the whipping post for you to handle a headache. He went to the whipping post for you to be set free of that thing, for you to be set free of it. Um, so, so that's what we, so we've got to learn to use our faith in the little things. I bumped my toe, and it used to be when I would bump my toe. I've told on him, so now I'll tell on me. I'd, I'd hit my toe on something. I'd be sure it was broke. And I used to say, Father, I just broke my toe, but I thank you that I'm recovered quickly. <laughs> but now if I bump my toe, I'm now to the point where I say, Father, I thank you that nothing's broken even though it's turning blue instantly. You know, Father, I thank you that it's healthy. I thank you that there's no swelling. I thank you. I'll bump into a corner or something, run my leg into a corner or something, and you know, you know immediately that bruises. You can feel it throbbing and bruising up. And I got to where I would say, because this was prior to God healing my tunnel vision, uh, what used to be tunnel vision for me, and, uh, and I ran into stuff all the time. So I got to where I'd say, when I'd run into something, I'd say, well, that's not going to leave a mark in Jesus' name. What am I doing? I'm building my faith on the small side. Building my faith on the small side. So that's what this does. So let's keep going. All right. So if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, it, so here he's, he's talking about tests and trials. Now, we can apply lacking knowledge into any situation, but in this particular verse, in this particular scriptures, he's talking specifically about dealing with tests and trials, which includes sickness and disease. If any person lacks knowledge in how to deal with the sickness and disease, if any man lacks knowledge about how to get recovery out of the test, temptation and trial, then we need to ask God for wisdom on how to do that. But then he warns us, which is what we have already read. Right. But let him, let him ask in what? Faith. Faith. In other words, God said, here's how you're going to come out of your test and trial. Ask in faith. In other words, ask me to take care of the sickness, fully trusting, fully assured, set in concrete, that when you ask me to cause the sickness to go, the sickness will go wavering nothing. Don't even, when you command that sickness to go, and the thought immediately comes, well, it's still here, 
don't listen to that voice. Don't listen to that. Don't waver. He said, don't waver. He said, because if you waver, it says, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Here's how, this is why so many people don't receive their divine healing. It's because they'll get into the word, they'll do their devotion, they'll, they'll hear a good message, they'll come to church, they'll, they'll have hands laid on them, something, and because of the emotion of the moment, they go, Woo, I'm healed. Woo, I got it. But then, their body will begin to talk to them. And they'll go, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm not healed. Or, or if, or if it was a really good high, they'll say, well, it's just not manifested yet. But then what they do is they start checking with their body to see if it's manifested yet. So what are they doing? They're, they're doubting that it's there. They're telling themselves, I'm just checking for my manifestation. But really what they're doing is they're checking to see if the sickness is still there. They're doubting. I've been guilty of this. Um, and, and, and look at what he says in the next verse. He said, if this is your mindset, if this is the way you're behaving, if this is the way you're responding, look at what he says. He says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if we're doing this, if we're going, well, I'm healed, I'm not healed, I'm healed, I'm not healed, I'm healed, I'm not healed, guess what? You're not going to get healed. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not, I'm not, if this is the way you pray for those that are online, I'm, I'm not, don't, please don't take offense. I'm just talking about my experience. Because we're talking about how to pray for the sick tonight. And I had learned how to pray for the sick. And uh, we had a dear friend of ours that had a stroke. And he was a well-known man in the community. He was very well-loved. And so we went to the hospital to pray for him. And when we got there, we were shocked to find that one of the waiting rooms was absolutely, one of, the, one of the larger family rooms, was absolutely packed to the gills. There was probably, what, I don't know, 20 or 30 chairs in this room, and every chair was filled. Some people had somebody sitting in their lap. The tables had people sitting on them. There was standing room only in this room. I mean, it was packed. And this and, was obviously before COVID. Yeah, yeah, this was years <laughs> ago. This was years ago. And we get into this room, and we've got a dear friend of ours that, that we know he loves Jesus, but the only reason we know is because we asked him. <laughs> and he's in there with us, and we're backed into this corner away from the door. And they said, and somebody piped up and said, well, we're going to pray for brother so-and-so. And we said, oh, good, they're going to pray. We'll, we'll jump in here. We'll pray with them. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. It started off good. It started off good. They said, Father, we praise you. We honor you. We know that you're the great physician and you're so wonderful. And, Father, we're here on behalf of our brother so-and-so. And, Father, he, you know, he's a man that loves you. And da -da -da. it started off real good. But all of a sudden, we took a hard left. And all of a sudden, they started going, Now, Father, we don't know your will in this situation. But if it be your will, 
to heal brother so-and-so. Father, we just ask that you raise him off of this bed of sickness and that he walk out of here healthy, whole, and well. But if it's your will for him to walk through the fire, then, Father, so be it. Let him walk through the fire of sickness and disease and come out stronger on the other side. And Mom and I are sitting there going, I mean, we must have had cow eyes as big as saucers. And they're saying, because, I mean, and I'm telling this this prayer went on like this for 30 minutes. Almost 30 minutes. Father, on the one hand, heal him. On the other side, if you just want him to be sick, then let him be sick. I thought, Mom and I are sitting there going, this boy, this, this man ain't getting nothing from these people. Why? Because the word says, don't be double-minded. For let that man, or let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded mind. Minded man is unstable in all his ways. So they, they, got, they got to the end and they said amen and I, my mouth was closed tight. I'm not agreeing to that. I, I got to mumbling under my breath, Lord Jesus, this is not my prayer. Set me free. And uh, so we got, so they got done and we scooted out of that room as fast as we could. And our friend that was with us, uh, he looked at us. Now, he's not, as far as we know, he's not reading the Bible or anything, but, you know, he's told us he loves Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and he just looks at me, and he said, and, and he looked at Mom and I, and he said, well, that didn't do a bit of good. Nope. Didn't do a bit of good. A common, per, a, a common everyday person can say, he, he looked at us, and we, he said, that doesn't do a bit of good. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, well, they couldn't make up their mind what they wanted. They couldn't make up their mind what they wanted. And we said, well, that's true. That's exactly right. So, so then we said, because uh, this was his work partner, and we said, can you get us in the room? And he said, yeah, I can get you in the room. We said, we know how to pray. We know what we want. And he said, let's get you in the room. So in that situation, we went in the room, and we was about to pray, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit dropped it on the inside of us. He said, there's too much doubt and unbelief for the people. For the people that are standing, he said, there's too much doubt and unbelief between you and me. That's what the Lord said. There's too much doubt and unbelief. His whole family, the entire family, was in total doubt and unbelief. And, and this dear friend of ours was essentially in a coma. He couldn't stand in faith for himself. So spiritual law, the family was between him and us, and the family, immediate family, has more spiritual authority than a friend. So we said, well, Lord, we just ask you that you're blessing and that you're receiving because there was too much doubt and unbelief for him to get healed and that, he, and that you allow him to come quickly to heaven and that you move on the family to release him quickly. And thank God they did. Thank God they did because uh, they could have held him here for a long time. But God said, don't let a double-minded man or woman uh, think that you're going to receive from the Lord. So when you pray for the sick, whether you're praying for yourself or somebody else, you've got to know that you know that you know that it's God's will to heal them and that God will answer your prayer and will do what you have requested. You can't go because God's going to send you to pray for people. And you can't have the mindset, well, what if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work, the failure is not on your part. Because you went and you did what the Lord told you to do. You went full of faith. You went full of power. Nothing wavering. Fully expecting a full recovery. That's the way you approach prayer with sick people every 
time. And the failure is not on God's part because God always wants them healed. God doesn't want any sickness to remain on any person. And uh, Jesus paid the price for the sickness. So why would God willingly leave sickness on somebody when Jesus paid the price? So the failure is not on your part and the failure is not on God's part. The failure is on the person and the individual's persons. They can either fail to receive or they can have some other spiritual law in place that is blocking the healing. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the sermon. But the failure is never on your part. And a lot of people will refuse to go and pray for the sick because they're afraid of it not working. They're afraid of it not working. Well, we can't be afraid. And if you know that you know that you know that it's God's will to heal, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. See, those that are praying, if it be thy will, like what she was talking about, they're wavering so bad they're not going to get anything. You'd be better off to pray, God, why don't you just flip a coin? If it lands on heads, I'll be healed. And if it lands on tails, I guess I won't. Because right. you at least have 50% faith there. Right. You know, you, you at least are saying, hey, I know you can do it. Just flip that coin, and if, it, and if I get lucky, I'll be healed. You know? Right. You at least believe that if, it, if you get lucky, you're going to be healed. Right. Glory to it's God. Like the woman, it's like the woman uh, with the issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch his robe, I'd be healed. Right. You know, she didn't waver. She didn't waver. She knew that if, if the coin landed on heads, she was in good shape. That's right. And she didn't even consider tails. She didn't even consider tails. No. She, she put her eyes on the hem of the garment, and that's what she went for. Now, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. Well, how do we build this confidence? We build this confidence in knowing the word. We build this confidence, this trust, this unwavering in the Word of God, and in the, the Word. And through the knowing, this knowledge of knowing what's in the Word of God, we learn that the um, we learn the character of God. We yeah. learn that He loves us, and He doesn't want any bad things for right. us. And if we know that, then we know that He wants us to be healed. And here's the other thing: you have to know that you know where sickness comes from, because part of the problem in that room is the majority of the people believed that God sent both healing and sickness. That's what they believed. There is no sickness in heaven. The book of Revelations reveals this. There's no sickness in heaven. So if there's no sickness in heaven, where did God get the sickness from to put it on you? He didn't. He didn't. Sickness is the result of sin because sickness... Um, is I love how the way I love the way that Lillian, Dr. Lillian Yeoman put it. She said, "Sickness or disease is the beginning of the death process, and Satan is the father of death. He's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that comes into your life that's going to steal, kill, or destroy is from the enemy of God, not from God." So you've got to know that you know that you know where sickness comes from. It comes from sin in the world. Now, do you have to sit down and get to the nitty-gritties and say, well, this person has this sin and that's why this sickness is here? No, because in some cases sickness is there because they've opened the door to it through sin. 
in like uh, in uh, liver cirrhosis or cirrhosis of the liver, which 90% of the time or even a higher percentage of that comes from drinking in excess of alcohol. So obviously there was an open door to that particular sickness. But, uh, you know, somebody driving down the road being extremely careful and being extremely cautious and, and, and a driver, a reckless driver comes out of nowhere and hits them, were they in sin that caused the destruction in their body? No, no. So it's somebody else's free will that caused that problem. So sickness, sickness does not always come because of the result of sin that, that the person has done, but it does come as a result of sin in the world. Yes. And you don't have to analyze exactly what the sin is. You just have to know that, that the sickness is there because the thief is the God of this world. So in 1 John 5, I want to look at verse 14 and 15, and I promise we're not backing up. Yay. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we know that it's his will that we be healed. Right. So if we, ask, if we ask for healing, we know that he hears us. Exactly right. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So if it's his will, he wants it to be done. That's so right. if we ask, we're going to get it. That's right. It should be fairly simple. Right. So if we know that we know that God wants healing for every person on the planet and how can we know this because christ obtained it for every person on the planet at whipping post so we know that we know that healing belongs to every person we know that it's god's will to heal and so when we pray and we talk to god according to his will when we say okay father we know that it's your will to heal father we know that jesus obtained victory over this sickness over this disease at the whipping post. Father, we know that death was done away with at his uh, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Then, we, then we, we can say, Father, I'm praying according to your will. And because I'm praying according to your will, I am completely confident that you hear my prayer. And because I'm confident that you hear my prayer, I know. Look at the next verse. Look at 15. And, we know, and if we know that he hears us, Whatsoever we have asked according to what? His will, we know that we have the petition or the request that we have desired of him. It's a guaranteed promise in the word. That's why I say when you go to pray for somebody that is sick, whether you're praying for yourself or you're praying for another person, if you know the will of God, and you know that God wants you healed or wants them healed, and you go praying according to his will, then you can be 100% confident with nothing wavering in you, you'll receive that petition. Now, when I say nothing in you wavering, I'm not talking about a thought pops in your head that says, well, that did nothing. Because that thought's going to come all the time. I'm just going to tell you by experience, I can lay hands on somebody, I can pray and it can just be dry and dead, and the thought will come, well, that did nothing. Just because the thought came doesn't mean you wavered. How you know if you waver or not is according to, what you, is according to your response. So when the thought comes, well, that did nothing, 
You can eat, I, and I have done this. You can take that thought captive. I have done this, and I have literally said, well, I didn't feel a darn thing. But I know by fa- but I know according to the word, God said, if I know his will, I pray according to his will that he hears me, and if he hears me, I have the petition of my heart. Therefore, I don't care that I didn't feel anything. I know that person is healed by my faith. Amen. On the other hand, you can say you can you can have that feeling come in that says, "Oh, nothing happened," and you can go, "Oh, well, I guess nothing happened," and you're going to have exactly what you said because you got double-minded, right? So when the thought comes, you've got to say, Mm-mm, "We prayed, we received that healing. It's a done work." Uh, during prayer, we prayed for somebody, and at the end of prayer, uh, I reminded the person that brought us the prayer request. I said, "Here's what you got to do. You got to you got to go back to the person that needed this prayer." And you got to tell them, we've prayed, we've received the victory, we've got the note, the situation is handled, the situation's been, been dealt with, and because and, 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 they're going to the doctor tomorrow, no matter what the doctor report says, they go by the higher report that says he's healed. Why? We're setting the stage for them not to get into doubt and fear, not to get into double-mindedness. So if we know that we have this confidence, um, then we know that we have what we've asked. Amen. Amen. Let's go to John 16. For, not first John. No, big John. John, John, John. I'm going, we're already in John. We're talking about how to pray for the sick. How to pray for the sick. There's a bunch of different ways that you can pray for the sick. You can pray for the sick using the prayer of faith. You can pray for the sick using intercession um, and petitions. You can pray for the sick using the prayer of agreement. And you can pray for the sick using the prayer, uh, using corporate prayer, like what we do before service on healing school. Um, all, of these pra- all of these different types of prayer are effective for getting people healed. However, you've got to use the right prayer for the right situation, the right prayer for the right situation. So here in John 15, John, I'm sorry, John 16, John 16 and verse 23, Jesus is talking about how to pray. And, and here he's talking how to pray in general, in general. So in verse 23 and 24, Jesus says this, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Here, uh, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy be made full. He said, and in that day, what is the day he's talking about? Jesus had not yet been to the cross. He had not yet been to the whipping post. He had not yet descended into hell. He had not yet ascended onto high and applied his blood to the mercy seat of God. So he was. So what? So how they were operating in Jesus's day was about to change to the way we operate today. And so in that day is the day is today the day we live in now. And he said this. He said, and in that day. Whatsoever you ask of the Father, in my name, he will do it. So we do not ask Jesus to heal anyone. 
because Jesus has already done everything that he is going to do to bring healing. He went to the whipping post. He put sickness under his feet. He's already done it. But what we do is we ask, we go to the Father, and we ask the Father to, to deliver healing to a person's body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, this particular rule applies um, to uh, praying for others or even praying for yourself. And actually, when it comes to praying for yourself, let me rephrase that. When it comes to praying for yourself, you never use the prayer of intercession for yourself. You never have to use the prayer of petition for yourself. Uh, we can, in corporate prayer, we can stand in agreement or be in agreement with somebody. But if you're dealing with yourself, uh, that, is, that is always the prayer of faith. That is always the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is Mark 11, 23, and 24. 22, 23, 24. Let's look at this. Matthew, I mean Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Matthew 11, 22. Mark. I mean, Mark. I don't know why I keep saying Oh, because I've got Matthew marked in a minute. So, Mark 11, 23. Mark 11, 23. Mark 11, 22 ends with this. This is the beginning of Jesus speaking. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, have faith in God. Really what he says is have God-like faith. In other words, believe and do not waver like God. Just the way God said, let there be light. And he believed and did not waver, and there was light. That's right. Then he says, verily, verily. In our foundations class, uh, we, I, I did a study on amen, and we're going to use that again later in that class. Um, and, and I've always said this, when Jesus says, verily, verily, in other words, he's saying, this is very important, pay attention. And I say, he's calling you by first, middle, last name. Like, he's saying, pay attention. Which is the idea of what he's saying. He's saying this is very important. But in their language, what he's truly saying, because the word amen in the New Testament is often uh, translated as the word verily. And verily, at the beginning of a sentence or a statement, uh, is is very strong and it basically says I'm speaking the truth but when you say ver when Jesus says verily verily he what he's really saying is I am talking about himself you know because one of his names is the great I am he's saying I am the truth he said I am truth and faith he said I am the tr the undeniable truth I am the undeniable truth and I am telling you an undeniable, faithful truth of the word. He's declaring the faithful truth of the so word. So when you see verily, verily, you can count on that. That's right. No matter Jesus what. Jesus is saying what I'm about to say is 100% or 1,000% true. He's giving us a spiritual law. And then he says, he said, for verily, I say unto you, he's speaking to you. So he's saying, I am. He said, for, he said, the truth I say unto you. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, 
but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Okay. Well, you shall have whatsoever you sayeth. That's weird. It says you shall have them. Oh, I see it. <laughs> I'm like, where are you at? I was behind. Sorry. I was I was listening to the Holy Ghost and got struck, lost on my page. Right. He says, so this is what Jesus said. He said, if you will speak to a mountain. Now, there's some debate about if it was a literal mountain or a spiritual mountain. Well, I believe that if you had an actual need for a mountain, because he spoke to a literal fig tree. So if you had a need for a literal mountain to get out of your way, and you walked with this undeniable faith of God, and you told that, that mountain to move, with full of faith, the mountain would move. But how many do you know we don't have mountains that we really need moved out of our way? And most of us don't have the mountain-moving type of faith either. That's right. But what he's referring to is anything in your life that is mountain-like. That seems like a mountain to you. And how much of you know sickness feels like a mountain? It feels like a mountain. And so he said, if you'll speak to this sickness and you'll command this sickness to go far from you and be tossed into the sea, it has no choice but to obey you and go. And if you, said. if you look back at verse 22, Jesus said to have the, the God kind of faith. Right. And how, much, how many know that if God wanted that mountain to move, it's going to move. That's right. So he said, so uh, Kenneth E. Hagen received divine healing from seven different heart defects and blood diseases. He was terminal. Everybody had given up on him. The preacher man even came in and said, son, let's plan your funeral. That's how on the sick bed he was. Uh, and, and Dad Hagen got a hold of this scripture, and he said, well, the Bible says that God's not a liar. And this scripture says that if I speak to the mountain of sickness, if I speak to my mountain, the mountain has to move. So he began to speak to the mountain, and he began to say, I command this sickness to be gone from my body. I command my body to be healthy and whole. I command. This. What was he doing? He was commanding sickness to go in the name of Jesus from his body. So when we pray... We don't plead, beg, and steal from God. We command. Why do we command? We command because healing has already been obtained for us. It already belongs to us. And it's part of our authority. I can't go down here to the Ford dealership and command a vehicle to come into my ownership because it hasn't already been provided to me. I have to go to the Father and make a request that the Father opened the door for us to obtain it rightfully and properly by faith. That's the prayer that we just looked at in John. That's, that's a supplication. The, but healing was obtained at the whipping post. It already belongs to us. It's already here. It's already ours. All we have to do is reach out with the hand of faith and grab it and cause it to come to pass in our life. How do, we how do we grab things by faith? With the words of our mouth. With the words of our mouth. Remember, Pastor Mike brought up the woman with the issue of blood. 
she said she spoke to her mountain and she said mountain when i touch the hem of his garment you will be moved from my body and i will be made whole Amen. and she never wavered this is the prayer of faith you can use the prayer of faith for yourself you can use the prayer of faith for a baby christian that has asked you to pray for their healing you can command that sickness to go from them and you can receive their their healing by your by your prayer of faith uh you cannot use the prayer of faith uh for the nation or for somebody very far and distant from you the farther they get away from you in relationship the less the prayer of faith will work okay so one way to receive the prayer of faith so when you go according to uh let's let's turn right here to the wait, end of mark wait, okay leave. hold on so miss brooke we were talking to you earlier about yes. forgiveness if you go to verse 25 here it says and when you stand praying forgive if you have aught against anybody that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses right. but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses and if you if you're praying for something and you and, and you have unforgiveness in your heart or in your life that unforgiveness can block your it healing blo it's one of the main main hindrances to receiving healing right. or answers to prayers right because because unforgiveness is a sin and sin brings the sickness so if you so in order to obtain the healing you got to deal with the sin uh, so we so um, unforgiveness is one of those issues that's a spiritual law that can that can block healing uh, I have prayed for a person in the past where they had the sin of worry in their life that's another um, one. and that's another one and I was praying for, actually I actually same principle really. actually I we've prayed for three critically ill people well, we've prayed, prayed for more than that but in this situation we've prayed for three different people that the doctor said you have less than a week to live less than a week to live the Lord sent us to them to pray for them and in those three accounts one person had the sin of worry in their life that they had to repent from and two had the sin of unforgiveness in their life praise the Lord all three of them repented of their sins and all three of them were divinely healed divinely healed so when you have these things in your life you've got to remove them thank you for pointing that out because I wanted to get there hold your place right here at 11 and turn over to um, turn over the last chapter chapter 16 chapter 16 and uh, in verse 16 it says and he this is the words of Jesus and uh, it says and he that believeth underline underline that line believeth <clears throat> well no actually look at verse 17 it's good to underline there too but 17 it says in chapter 16 verse 17 of mark and these signs shall follow them that do what believe these signs that believe that believe in order for what's fixing to what we're fixing to talk about to come to pass you have to believe unwavering 
You have to believe unwavering. You have to believe that when you, that these things will operate through you in order for you to see them. If that was not true, every believer would operate with this stuff free willy-nilly. I mean, it would just it would just flow like water. But many Christians don't believe for these things. He said, if you believe in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So here he said, if you will believe, number one, you'll be able to cast out devils. Devils are responsible for bringing sickness to people's lives. There, yes, we understand genetics and air and all of that, but ultimately, from a spiritual standpoint, who is behind it is devils. So number one, if you're going to deal with sickness, you're going to be dealing with the works of Satan and his, and his minions. And then he goes down here at the end. He says, if you're believing, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I've said this. I've said I, I've said I laid hands on people, gotten them healed, and I've gotten I've gotten people that were non-believers healed. I've gotten people that were believers healed. I've gotten people that didn't know it was God's will to heal, and people that thought, well, sometimes God wants you healed, and sometimes God wants you heal, wants you sick, and I've gotten results every time, every time, if they would listen to me, if they would listen to me, I got results every time. Why? Because I would use the prayer of faith, my faith, I'd use my faith in Jesus to lay hands on them. It's the law of contact. I'd lay hands on them, and my faith in God would allow God's healing power to flow through me and into them, and into them. So one way that you can pray for the sick is the prayer of faith using your faith through the laying on of hands through the laying on of hands. That's one way that you can do it. Now, I want us to look at another prayer. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Chapter 18. Matthew 18. Verse 18. Yep. Verily I say unto you, there is that verily again, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And how do we bind and loose? With the words of our With mouth. the words of our mouth. And our prayers. Binding and loosing is done in the prayer of intercession. And the prayer of supplication. So if, you, if your words speak sickness and disease on your life, what's going to happen? You're going to have sickness and disease. If your words speak weakness into your life, what are you going to have? Weakness. Yeah. If your words speak... Uh, poverty into your life what are you going to have you have to watch what you say you can't just say things willy-nilly we have the power of god in our words and and we have to pay attention to what we say and we have that's why we have to speak good things and positive things right now i said binding and loosing is used in the prayer of intercession supplication and the holy spirit said it's also used in the prayer of faith you can bind sickness off of yourself um but primarily, primarily binding and loosening is done um, in intercession. When we're dealing with, when dealing with sickness, it's primarily done um, for others in intercession. But he said this. He said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. 
So what do you bind? You can bind the sickness. You can bind the spirits and principalities behind it. Uh, and you can loose the healing power of God. The healing power of God is already on the earth. So we're not looking. And so God says, so we bind it, or so we loose the healing power of God on the earth by saying, Father, we speak healing and we command healing into this body. Then what we're doing is we're loosening that healing power and we're allowing it to flow into a person. To flow into a person through our request. All right, verse, Keep going. verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. So if you can take somebody with you to pray in agreement with you that's got the same beliefs and same faith as you, that you're evenly yoked, basically, it doesn't have to be husband and wife, but right. and two believers, two believers go and they both lay hands on somebody and they both pray for healing. That makes it even more likely that it's going to happen. Um, well, let's, it, 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 it's a stronger prayer, yeah. but you can also pray the prayer of agreement with somebody that is sick. They have faith, but they maybe they don't have enough faith to get them over the hump. So in that you can pray the prayer of agreement. Now here's another bad habit that we as Christians have. And I used to think that this was true. I used to think that this was proper and I found, and God got a hold of me and said, no, that's not proper. You, there is no such thing as a silent prayer request because you cannot ask somebody to pray the prayer of agreement and then not tell them what they're supposed to be agreeing on. It doesn't work because if I don't know what you're believing for, how can I be in agreement with you? If I don't know what you're believing for, how do I know that you're praying in line with the will of God? Dad Hagen tells the story that uh, I believe it was a man came to him. Yep, it was. It was a man came to him and said, Dad Hagen, he said, he said uh, uh, Reverend Hagen, he said, I have a prayer request. Will you stand in agreement with me? And, and Reverend Hagen said, well, what's the request? And the man said, oh, no. He said, I can't tell you it's private and personal. I just need you to agree. And, and Dad Hagen said, um, I won't do it. And the man said, what do you mean you won't do it? He said, well, he said, number one, if you won't tell me what you're praying about, how can I be in agreement? I don't know what you're praying. Number, and, so, and if you won't tell me, more than likely it's one of two things. Either you're praying for something that's out of line with the will of God. Either you're praying for something that's out of the will of God. Or you're praying... Um, <clears throat> For something that's against spiritual law. Basically it comes down to spiritual law. Or that's what it was. You're either praying for something that, um, that doesn't agree with the will of God. Or you're praying for something that already belongs to you. And you don't need to pray for it. You just need to receive it. That's what it was. And the man said well. He stood there and he thought about it for a few minutes. And he said well. He said, it doesn't already belong to me, so I guess I can't just receive it, so I guess I'll go ahead and tell you. He said, I'm believe, he, he said, I'm believe, he said, he pointed out some woman, and he said, you see that lady right. over there? You see that lady over there? He said, yeah. He said, I'm believing for her to be my wife. And Dad Hagen said, well, what's the problem? 
Well, she's married to another man. How right? much do you know? That does not That's agree with totally the will of God. That's totally the will of God. Totally out of line with the will of God. Can you get in agreement with that? No. Can yeah. you believe for that? No. no. It doesn't line up with the will of God. Should you even try? No. <laughs> no. So in that, so he went from trying to hook up with this man to having to rebuke and reprove the man. So a lot of times when people ask you to pray for them in agreement, not tell you what the situation is, is because they either are, don't know the will of God and they're embarrassed, or they're just out of the will of God. A lot of times. A lot of times. So you've got to get in that position of agreement. And when you get into that position of agreement, so when we do corporate prayer before service, what we're doing is because instead of it being just me and Jackie, which would be the prayer of agreement, two are agreeing, it's corporate prayer because there's a lot of us that get in here and pray, then what we're doing is we're all coming together and we're all getting in agreement and we're all praying for God. To, to move on the behalf of people that are sick, that are loved ones and friends and people in the community that we know need healing. And so what we do is we go to the Father. We make the request to the Father. We make the request in the name of Jesus. And we begin to plead their case, which is intercession. And we say, okay, Father, this is what we know. This is why we request healing. And this, and Father, we know that healing already belongs to them. And so, Father, just go ahead and we don't say send your healing from heaven. We say we activate by faith and command the healing of power of God to go into action in their life, to go into action in their life. Now, if they don't know God, we also pray that God will send laborers in their path. We pray that God will begin to deal with their heart and to deal with their thinking and bring them into the truth of the knowledge of God and that they, and that they grab a hold of. And we get, healing stuff, we get healing material into their hands so that God can begin to minister his will to them so that they can build faith. So one way that you can get the sick healed is through the prayer of intercession, through the prayer of agreement, through corporate prayer and 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 believing by faith that they be healed but when you do that you still need to get the truth of God into their hands as much as possible and, and that is the work of the body of Christ because Pastor Mike and I can't go listen we I mean we spent five or ten minutes just getting new people that needed he being healed this morning this evening so Pastor Mike and I if we spend all of our time going out laying hands on everybody that needs healing we ain't got no time for studying, prepping, or anything. And not only that, we're total strangers to these people, but they're connected to you. And so that's where the body of Christ goes to work is you take healing, you take the healing word of God into them and onto them. And if you, if you don't have it in your Bible, this one that we just read in Matthew is the prayer of agreement. Yes. Yes. And I discussed the prayer of intercession. Remember we... Uh, uh, let's just go look at it um, in Ephesians, I believe, is where I need to go. If I can get my pages to turn, it would be a whole lot easier. Yeah, Ephesians uh, 6.18 
He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching onto with all preservation and supplication for the saints. Praying always. Now, he was talking specifically about spiritual warfare, but when you're dealing with sickness, that is a form of spiritual warfare. And so you can pray. Uh, so we need to pray with all forms of prayer. That includes intercession, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith um, to get people healed. And, of course, supplication is standing in the gap. It's, it's, you're like, no, intercession is standing in the gap. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm on the wrong one. My yeah. bad. Yeah, but, but intercession is included when he said praying always with all prayer, all prayer. Now, uh, healing, one way to obtain healing is through the prayer of praise and worship. Once you command sickness to leave your body, uh, you don't command it again. How much do you know if you've dealt with small children or animals? You tell the small child or the, or the dog or the cat, whatever, no, honey, let's not do that. And what's that little small child do? goes right back to doing it. And then you go, no, honey, don't do that. And they go right back to doing it. No, honey, don't do that. And go right back to doing it. Why? Because you're making a soft, simple request. But when you finally get fed up and you've had enough and you go, I said, stop doing that. How much do you know? All of a sudden, the child listens. Sickness behaves the same way. Sickness behaves the same way. If you've now commanded that child to stop and that child doesn't stop, do you just let it go? Some people do. And if you let sickness just have its way, if you go, well, I commanded it, but it's still there, guess what? It's going to stay. No, you command it to go. And then you enforce its going by praising and worshiping God that God caused your commandment to come to pass. You, could, you go to praising God. Father, I thank you that I have authority to command the sickness to go and that it must obey. Father, I thank you that all pain has left my body in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that my body has lined up according to the word of God and the power of God. Father, I thank you that, all, that I have no pain. I thank you if you're dealing with arthritis. Father, I thank you that arthritis has left my body in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the bones that are broken are healed and restored to strength. Father, I thank you. And you just begin to praise him and worship him. And what does that do? It brings God on the scene and allows him to go to work in your body. And it also shuts up the lying sickness. Because if you're verbally praising, you cannot be getting into agreement with the lies of the sickness is putting into your head. So this is all supplications and all prayers. So one of the biggest ways to get man, I, I've learned this through the years, and I'm telling you, I'm saving you, I'm literally saving you a good 15 years. If you'll listen to me and you'll put this into practice, I'm saving you a good 15 years. If you will learn to praise your way out of sickness, you'll save yourself a lot of time. And a lot of money. <laughs> and a lot of money. If you'll learn to praise your way out of sickness. What do I mean by praise your way out of it? I have dealt with chronic pain for decades. And I would, and, and, and it was just horrible, and it nearly, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that God was working in our life and God was in our marriage, it would have cost us our marriage. 
uh, because I was just miserable and mean and just couldn't function, and it was bad. And I'd go to church, and I'd hear a good message on healing, or I'd get into the Word and get a good message, and I mean I'd pray and I'd believe and I'd command and praise God, I've got it, and then the body would start to talk. And I would listen to the body talk, and before you knew it, I was worse off than I was when I got the healing in the first place. But then over time, and honestly, I tripped over this um, by accident from my perspective. I tripped, uh, and I had heard, pray, you know, praise will put you over, praise will bring the sick, bring, cause the manifestation and healing to come. I had heard all those messages, but really I got the revelation out of sheer desperation. Sheer desperation. So I had gotten into this moment of extreme agony and extreme pain and I'm not going to go into the details of it but I'm telling you it's extreme um, and I'm in my bathroom in a bad situation and it's extreme and all of a sudden out of the unction of my spirit I started just saying father I praise you that the pain is gone father I praise you that the pain is gone Father, I thank you that I have no pain in Jesus' name. I mean, because I had been commanding and commanding and commanding, but nothing was happening. Why? Because the sickness said, you don't, believe, you don't believe that I have to go, so why do I have to go? You know, you, you can command me all day long, but you don't believe that I have to follow it. So I, so I just by the sheer, because I was desperate to get a breakthrough. And so out of the sheer unction of the Holy Ghost, God having great mercy and grace on me, I just began to just praise. Father, I thank you that the pain is gone. Father, I thank you. And meanwhile, and I'm not lying in the slightest, meanwhile the pain is getting worse and worse and worse. I'm talking, it's so bad, my body is freaking out and thinking it's dying. The pain is so bad. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm having symptoms of all my organs shutting down, bad pain. And I just, I mean, out of sheer desperation, Father, I thank you that the pain is gone. I thank you that the pain is gone despite the symptoms. Father, I thank you that I have no pain in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you and I praise you that I have no pain in Jesus' name. And about the fifth or sixth... uh, I don't know, somewhere between the fifth and sixth time and the 21st time, somewhere in there, all of a sudden it hit my, it hit my brain, hey, the pain is almost gone, almost gone. And so I learned from that day that when pain would hit, if I would just begin to praise God, the pain would go more quickly. It would go more quickly. And so, and, and as I got through that, I began to realize, guess what? Sickness has to obey. So I'm saving you a good 15 years. If you'll just begin to praise, command the sickness to go, when sickness attacks, when the headache attacks, I don't care when you bump your toe, when you get the bad report from the doctor, when your body starts talking to you, Command the sickness to bow to the name of Jesus. Command the mountain to be moved. And then praise God that you're healed. And then, one last step, act like you're healed. Act like you're healed. If you stay in the bed 
If you stay in the, if you, whatever you do to deal with your sickness, now I'm not saying, I'm not saying stop taking your medicine. Or take, you, you know, if or you take, take your a, cast off and start Yeah, I'm not saying that. Um, take your medicine until the doctor takes you off the medicine because your body's like freaking out because it doesn't need it anymore. But, but begin, you know, if, if you're laying in the bed going, oh, like if you get into pain or whatever, you're sick, you got back problems, whatever, and you go get in your recliner and that's where you stay until the pain goes away, um, you know, and that because that's signaling the brain, hey, you're in pain. Then once you command it to go, once you start praising and you and you kind of get that connection with God, or if it's sometimes you just have to do it when it's dry, then get up and move by faith. Get up and move by faith. They actually proved this in the Mayo Clinic. This is actually proven medically uh, because it, when dealing with all the pain and before I got all my revelations, um, we had to go down to the Mayo Clinic. In fact, I got mad at myself because I had to sit in a class for three days for the Mayo Clinic to tell me that the Word of God works. That's not the way they said it. They said medically we found this and this and this and everything that they found lines up and agrees with the Word. And uh, one of the things that they said is whatever habit you have when you're in pain, for example, if you've got problems with your hip, if you rub your hip, stop. If you get a headache and you're rubbing your head, stop. If you, if, if you get out the heating pad and, and you put the heat on and, and you hold that heat there for a long time, stop, especially if it's not helping anymore. And the reason that they said this is because uh, the pain signal to the brain follows the path of least resistance. So every time you do these habits, it's making the pain receptor flow wider, and so the signal of pain gets through to the brain faster than the signal of I'm healed. So they said, so whatever you do, because when my back would bother me, because my back was, would be an issue, my hip would get out of line, so I would do this, and I would walk, and I would rub my hip. And so they said, stop doing that. So that took a, that took a, a, a hot minute to break. Because I'd catch myself. I'd go like, oh, I can't do that. I've got to act like I'm here. I've got to act like my hip's not hurting. And get up and walk. And before I knew it, wow, it's not hurting so bad anymore. So they've proven that acting healthy actually brings health. Acting healthy actually proves, brings health. And that's what the Word of God says. So, and and because, why does it work that way? Because it's, a, it's, a spirit, it's the spiritual law of faith in action. So what they're doing medically is they're tapping into spiritual laws, and they don't even know it because they won't acknowledge the spirit. Uh, so, so when you pray for the sick, whether it's yourself or somebody else, just in closing, make sure that you know that you know that you know that it's the will of God to heal. Make sure that you know that when you pray in line with the will, with God's will, that you know that he hears you and you know that he's going to grant you what you've requested. Amen. Make sure that you're a solid rock and you do not waver. Amen. And, then you, and then use the proper prayer for, for who you're praying for. Praying. Uh, we use... Um, and then practice on the little things. Yes. So that when the big things come yes. up... You've built your faith up to that. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I said earlier that, that the God kind of faith would move the mountain. But very few of us have built our faith up enough to move a, actually move a mountain. Yes. I don't know anybody that can do that. Yes. But um, 
But if you start with the little things, the molehill, and work work your way up, when you when you when it comes down to it, and there's lives on the line, your faith's going to be built up. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to be um, you want to have that faith ahead of time. And here's the deal: God's going to use us in this day and this hour to get people healed. And the move is coming, so we've got to know. We've got to know. So practice on the headache. Yep. Yep. Practice. When you bump your big toe, practice on that thing. When you cut your hand, practice on it. Um, I remember, I know we got, I know we're at time here, but I I remember um, I had been listening to, oh, I know who talked about it. My pastor did. Pastor Tommy talked about it. And he talked about, I don't remember how it got cut or something. His hand or something got cut somehow. And he, and it was just bleeding because, you know, it's the end of the limb, so it bleeds like crazy. And so, or maybe it was a head injury. I don't know. There was an injury, and it was bleeding profusely. I mean, bleeding severely to the point that they were distressed about how much blood was coming out. And so he, so by, again, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, tripped on this by accident. Not really. It was the Holy Ghost. But he said what he did by the unction of the Holy Ghost is he laid his hand on that thing that was bleeding, of course there was a towel around it, and he laid his hand on it, and he commanded the blood to stop flowing from where it should not flow. And he said instantly the flow of blood stopped to that coming out of the cut, not to the region of the skin, but flowing out of where it was. And they were able to get it bandaged and cleaned up and everything. And I thought, is that even humanly possible? But this is a, this was during the time that I thought it was a cult, so I was testing and proving everything. So when I cut my hand, I and there was blood, I, and it was it was a it wasn't a big bleed, but it was still blood, and it didn't want to stop right away. So I just put my hand on it by faith, because my pastor said test and proving. So I put my hand on the cut by faith, and I said I command this cut to stop bleeding in the name of Jesus, because this blood's not supposed to come out of this spot. So I just commanded to stop, and it stopped instantly. And I went, hmm, there might be something to this. So begin to pray according to the word and begin to get miracles. You want to pray over tithes and offerings? Yes. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for, for, for teaching us and drawing us closer to you and showing us how to use our faith and use, use our authority in, in causing healing in the body. And Lord, we just... We want to see your will done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give unto your kingdom so that your work can be done here. And we give joyfully and gratefully because you gave so much more to us. And Lord, we just ask that you bless this offering. Bless it uh, so that it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or think in in your son's name. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. Father, we honor you. Father, we ask that you... I'm sorry, Lord. Satan, we command you to take your hands off their finances. Father, we do this every service, and we command the angels to go. And so, Father, we know that it's done by faith, and we thank you that the word is true and that the word is working. Amen and amen. amen. We'll have to put ours in in the back because I left it in the office. But praise the Lord, if you want to sow a tithe and an offering, you can. Glory to God.